This podcast represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, and the guests. It should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, but more importantly leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Reviews not only help us grow listeners, but also help us grow as a show, improve our content, and make us better. I wanna be a billionaire, so freaking bad, buy all of the things I never had. I wanna be on the cover of Forbes magazine, smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. Yeah, so I, I don't know that this this episode is going to be, um, I, I don't know how to describe this particular episode at all, um, <laughs> morbid? I don't know, man. Perhaps, a little morbid. Are we, are we all mourning? Are we all, you know, are we all mourning some losses or? All right, look, bef- before we, before we even get into this. I want to point out that we have uh, we have someone playing hurt today. You know what? <laughs> and we all thank you for your for your service today. Working while injured. <laughs> working while injured, you do have a Topic cold for another day. And uh, we appreciate you being here. It was while the you were pressure. injured. It, it's it's your it's your Michael Jordan flu game. Yes. Way to go. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so before we even get into that, you know, before we even get into the the Bruno Mars and Travis McCoy song that we just played, and and by the way, I have no idea when I saw the video for this, and that's just how I know I'm old. I couldn't distinguish between who was Bruno Mars and who was Travis McCoy, and that's yes. why you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to actually Google that. And that's, wow. that makes me a sad person. And I know that makes me very old. You got to get with I, the times. <laughs> but now well, I know. Now I know. Bruno, Bruno Moss is always going to be the one, the shortest one in the room. So that's our difference. With Bruno the shortest Moss. one with the style. That's him. That's yeah. not true because I'm always the shortest one in the room. <laughs> I think you're actually taller than me, though. Am I? I think so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, then you're the shortest one in the room. I, apparently, Bruno Mars, apparently now I'm going to remember this is the guy with the hat. Yes, the guy with the hat and and the voice. Anyway, <laughs> this this um this sub story, which is I guess the reason we played that song. Yes, I don't know. I at the risk of saying the the wrong thing, um, I don't even know what to start. <laughs> right? You know, it's, it, not- it's obviously it's all over the media. It's all over social media. It's all over the news. We have been consumed. Yeah. Um, something happened it's bad and it's just what is it five people in total there was, there was there was so uh, we the, just recap it for the people that are like living in a rock yeah again. just just um, yeah if you don't know what we're talking about so here's the i guess a synopsis we'll call that right yeah go for it so i think i don't know the names um maybe i should have learned the names but i think there was four people total i think one was in with a, with a kid they had enough money it was five there was five with the with the captain, right? And then four guests, I guess, um, four passengers, let's say. 
they had enough money to say, you know, when, when somebody say eh, they have a few money, so they have enough a few money to say, you know what, sounds like a great idea to get in that Coca-Cola can and get to the bottom of the ocean. Just to see the just to see the Titanic. Just to see the 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 you know the Titanic in the bottom. And and as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I've seen it on TV, I've seen documentaries, I've seen videographers, you know, go down and, and film the remnants of the, the Titanic, right? They've, they've seen cameras, they've seen, you know, if you call it, I don't know, if somebody was filming it down there, but why do you have to be in proximity? of the wreckage of the ship just to see it. That, that's what I didn't understand. Well, the, um, We've all the, seen premise, it, right? We've all the seen premise that I understand that they went down there for is for scientific research to determine how the ship is being, I guess, rusting or it's changing based on the oceans. There's uh, supposed to be like a metal eating bacteria that's basically correct. destroying that's the Titanic. And right, that's but the reason they went down there. But I'm pretty sure they've sent robots, uh, I don't know, like some electronic or devices to get, you know, um, sample from dirt from bottom of the ocean or from wreckage. They've done that before in the past. They've sent machineries. You don't have to send, like I said, a can, <laughs> a tin foil can to the bottom of the ocean with five people inside to get sample of something. Well, some, you, know, you know, people were paying a large that. amount of money. But people were also paying a large amount of money to go down onto this, almost like a form of ocean tourism. Yeah, you know, and it was with- $250,000, which is Correct. a ridiculous amount of money to get into that thing. So basically, again, it's for people living under a rock that are not following the news, what they think happened was that this thing imploded. It's basically an explosion and everyone knows what that is, but inward. From the inside, inward, right? From the inside. And what we're going to end up talking about is um, risk-taking, but very quickly, implosion happens very, very quickly. And it has to do with the pressure outside of a hull uh, coming inward. You're building this thing basically sim- very simply, very similarly to an airplane that is pressurized but is going up where the pressure is less outside than it is inside. So you're pressurizing the hull of a airplane to be similar to the pressure outside. Now, the pressure at Earth is considered one atmosphere. As you go up, the atmosphere gets lower and lower. You get into space, it's zero atmospheres, right? So you go from one atmosphere to nothing. As you go down below sea level, the amount of atmospheres increases because of the crush of the water. And it gets really big really quickly as you go down and the depths that they went down it's an enormous amount of pressure and if you don't have that hole secured if one little bolt is is off it's just a it's a complete disaster and there's no there's no easy way to discuss this so we might as well just kind of do it you know what i mean so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna kind of read i want to play I want to play a clip of right. Well, does it seem does it seem odd to you guys that that was not tested before? I mean, tested without people inside of it. Kind I of, think it's of, gone uh, down right? before. It's gone down before, from what I understand. Not, okay, okay, not that one. I don't think that one has gone down before. But they have. This company has sent ships before. If you ever seen, if you if you've seen this ship, 
that they sent down, it looks like a teardrop that you would see on the side of like mm-hmm. a guy who's in prison who, who yeah. like draws a teardrop. Uh, it has an, like a what looks like an iris at the front of it, and then like a teardrop. It looks like uh, a soda can. That's what it looks like. Yeah, uh, with with like a like a thing at the end of it. I don't know any other way to describe it other than a teardrop, but. Um, what, I, so, what I want to play is a couple of things. Go ahead, Suzanne. Yeah, it's gone down at least 10 times. This particular one? This particular one, yes. Okay, well. Um, well, and I, guess... I know that people have had safety concerns about it through the years, including was... um, Josh Gates, who does Expedition Unknown. I think he did like a test dive in it and had concerns. He's publicly come out expressing his concerns and said, listen, I'm not going to go down to the Titanic, which was going to be a huge story for him. Do you um, know how far it's gone? Before it's this gone one? down to the Titanic at this least thing. 10 times. This particular thing, yes. Okay, well, it's made the trip, so maybe it's just got way too stressed. Oh, maybe that was... It yeah. Perhaps it's not regulated. There was no was, regulatory okay. body over yeah. it. Maybe that was one one more time, you know, too many. Maybe that was the limit, right? Yeah. Airplanes are like this too. You know, you take mm-hmm. it up multiple times, but you have to maintain it. And they retire planes. They've retired planes. And there's regulations on aircrafts. This did not have that. So the, the couple of clips that I want to play, I want to play first James Cameron, who has done this before, not on this particular... No, he has his own sub. Vessel. He's built his own things, as he will tell you many times if you ask him. He has also gone to the Mariana Trench, which is yeah. much deeper than the than this has gone. Mariana Trench is ridiculously deep. It's beyond anything. Possibly well, let's see. The Titanic, what did they say, is like two and a half miles down. It's 13,000 feet. Yeah. And the Mariana Trench is 35,000 feet. Wow. So yeah. you're talking about nearly three mm-hmm. times the depth. Right. And the crush amount of pressure at that depth is unfathomable. But here's here's James Cameron talking about uh, the concerns he had about this particular trip. This was such a preventable tragedy. We've never had a tragedy like this in the entire history of deep submergence, deep diving. You have these, you know... Uh, um, uh, highly certified systems like Alvin at Woods Hole, which Bob is very familiar with. Uh, the, even the Russian submersibles that I that I dove with, they, every five years they had to be reclassified and, and recertified and so on. And uh, you have all these legitimate uh, deep diving operations around the world. And even most of the tourist operations around the world use certification from, let's say, ABS, the American Bureau of Shipping. And this particular outfit didn't do that. I had deep concerns about the technology that they were using, composite, uh, composite fiber uh, wound filament hull, which I don't believe has any place in deep submergence. And I know a thing or two about, about you know, the engineering that goes into subs. I designed and built my own sub and went, you know, at, at uh, one point 10 years ago, uh, went three times deeper than Titanic at the, at the uh, Challenger Deep. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all just engineering, and these are understood and known problems. The last thing somebody should be thinking about when they get into a sub to pay to go, to go deep as a tourist or as a, uh, you know, what do you call it, a, like a lay explorer, they shouldn't have to worry about the sub that they're in. You got that right, James. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have to worry about the sub that you're in. No. All right. So Which there were concerns from, uh... from the 
you know, there was a father who took his 19 year old son down here. He was, they were both victims of this, obviously, but there was a lot of reports that the 19 year old was scared to go. That he didn't want to go. It was for his father. It was a Father's Day Father's gift. Day gift. Mm-hmm. That he did it for his Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, very quickly from a cognitive perspective, because we are mental health professionals. An implosion happens when the hull cannot uh, sustain the amount of pressure that's coming in from behind, from a, from, from the outside. It. Right. The pressure the inside is breached. Right. So that process takes about one millisecond. So you basically okay. saying they, they did not suffer. Like that, that I Your brain apply. couldn't process it. Our brain well, doesn't have time to well, process something that fast. I, I don't know if they didn't suffer or not, but I think the, um, yeah. the, I, I the guess. process the process of implosion takes one millisecond. The cognitive cycle of the brain, and this is from a research study in 2011 mm-hmm. by Mattel colleague. The perception recognition of the brain, which means that the brain perceives something happening on an unconscious level takes 80 to 100 milliseconds from the time of a stimulant. So one millisecond, the implosion takes, the brain doesn't even process the perception of something Mm -hmm. for 80 to 100 milliseconds. The conscious perception of it is 200 to 280 milliseconds from the the point of stimulant. Mm -hmm. And an action, in other words, a conscious action to respond to a stimulus. Whatever reaction you have to the stimulus. Right. You have to that mm-hmm. would be 60 to 110 milliseconds from the point of conscious uh, perception. Right. So it's so not going to be for another cycle, 300, 350 milliseconds right. after. So mm-hmm. the total cognitive cycle is about 260 to 390 milliseconds. That thing took one millisecond. One millisecond, right. So, yeah. you know, we would hope that there was no suffering. Um, obviously, okay. the brain did not have time to process it. Right, so but but it is right. But suffering, like like Dimitri said, is it's kind of subjective, right? Did, did they know they were lost? You know, for a couple of days, did they know the oxygen <laughs> tank was going down? To me, that's well, pretty. That's well, apparently- oh, that's the question. That's the question. Did they? Did did they? They have, they, they have to know. They had to know that the, the, they have little oxygen left, for example. You know, they have, well, I'm sure they have meters. Apparently, the implosion happened, it happened during way their before descent. That. It happened way before oh, it happened we, Sunday. We, yeah, it we, happened before it, that. That's right. We found it a few days later. We don't know when it happened. That's right. They, the, they believe that it happened as they were going down. Yeah. And it, it just, it failed. Um, I want to read a tweet gotcha. by Ali London, um, who is, a, I guess, a TV reporter. Ali London TV. I don't know if she's a reporter. Or not, but this is from. She's quoting a nuclear sub officer, Dave Corley. Uh, she basically reiterated what I said about the cognitive cycle, and then added, "The air inside a sub has a fairly high concentration of hydrocarbon vapors. When the hull collapses, it behaves like a very large piston on a very large diesel engine. The air auto ignites, and an explosion follows. The initial rapid implosion." A large blob of fat that would be humans incinerates and are turned turned to ash and dust quicker than you can blink your eye. So essentially, what she's saying is that everyone in there was basically fried, Framing. yeah, yeah, in about one millisecond. Yeah. So your not suffering thing probably holds. There were also some evidence that came out yesterday that there were some sensors that had gone off to say that there was something happening. Um, perhaps a crack in the hull, it was being breached, and there was some evidence to show that they attempted to ascend. Um, okay, so that, that's, that's we're going to get an expert coming in later on, uh, 
as a guest to talk about, he's a software engineer to talk about, you know, what could have gone wrong, mm -hmm. some of the engineering, some of the software that might have been on that thing. Because apparently they had a PlayStation controller running this thing. Um, and, you know, I want to ask him all kinds of questions about that. So we're going to leave the technical stuff to him. Sure. But I, um, I want to talk about risk-taking. Would you guys do it? Would you guys do it? No. Forget, forget about the, the dollar not. amount. If okay. you had the money, if I had the money, I wouldn't do that. I would go to space. I would go, I would to, space go to space as space. well, more so than going to the Titan. Um, only because that is. Um, We've been doing it for like so many years now. <laughs> I, I just I trust NASA. Well, NASA isn't really sending them out anymore. Now it's Elon Musk, and now it's right. well, you're the ones that are sending. I don't trust up. Elon Musk, but I trust <laughs> a lot of people do because they're going up. <laughs> if if NASA was the one sending me, I would go with NASA. Yeah, even though yeah. they have a record of losing people, I would trust that they know what they're doing more than. I think it's plus regulated. it's something I'm more interested in. Well, that yeah. too, but I, I think it's more, uh, it's also more interesting. So if I ended up in a fiery blaze, you know, a mile above earth, I would be more willing to do that than, um, although you wouldn't die instantly like you would. Uh, you know what? Uh, the uh, ocean. I'm okay. I'm okay right here where I am on earth. I'm good. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about this risk-taking thing yeah, because maybe it's a personality, uh, maybe issue. perhaps. I, li I like to feel I like to feel when I'm walking that I'm walking on something you know that, that's just me you know that's <laughs> <laughs> just me so the research on risk taking is is fascinating that, that I would that I uncovered the who and or the who and when of who takes risk uh, as you would expect and I don't know if you would expect this but uh, men are much more risk takers than women no super shocked by that completely <laughs> But but there are domains to risk taking. So there's different kinds of risk taking. There's financial, recreational, ethical stuff like that. Women tend to take more risks uh, in social and career, whereas men take more financial, recreational, and ethical risks. But there's also a time specific kind of risk taking. So you know when you're more hot, more effective, more passionate, uh, you're going to take more risks. Um, at that time, and you may take more risks that have nothing to do with the thing that incited it. So things that are unrelated, like you know, sometimes people that like get a bonus are going to go speeding right mm -hmm. after they get a bonus, which has yes. nothing to do with getting a bonus. So it's unrelated. It's sometimes unrelated to the thing causing it. <laughs> right now, I pose a question to you guys: Do you think that adolescents take more risks than adults? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th th there's a there's a diff there's a uh, you know plethora of reason why you know we always say as you grow you know from being a child to adolescent you you still in your formative years your frontal lobe is still not fully right. developed and your frontal lobe is where you get the filtering right you get disinhibited mm -hmm. when you have a, a you know a, a, a lesion in your frontal lobe so that means the impulse you have control. no break right mm -hmm. it's impulse control you have, you have no breaks so that's what happens when when you know elderly patients when they have um, some CBI, for example, in, in that region, they start being acting, they start acting impulsively, you know, either verbally or physically, you know, being aggressive. Or you'll and see like hypersexuality that exactly, occurs exactly. in the elderly exactly. nursing homes with dementia. Exactly. So at, at adolescent teens, they don't have that part of their brain fully formed. So yes, I would say being impulsive, being reckless is part of growing up, right? That's why you said, oh, 
it's a kid or it's a teen, whatever. So the answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> they probably take risks so, in different yeah. ways than that of adults. In affective decisions, in other, in other words, emotional, emotional decisions, yes, they right, are right. more uh, risky. But in decisions that are cold, in other words, that have no uh, emotional attachment to them, they actually make decisions exactly the same way adults do. And this was proved in something called a Columbia card task, which is a task. And I don't know if you're uh, familiar with this, Suzanne, because this is in your realm, mm -hmm. testing, psychological testing. Do you want to describe what this is? Um, you have the, the results of it. So I'm going to let you go okay. ahead and do that. But okay, I do so want to add something about the affectively based decisions when you're done with that. Okay. So the Columbia card task, you get 32 cards. And you turn over each card. This is the, there's a hot version, a cold version. The hot version is you turn over a card. And when you turn over a card, it's either a positive or negative card. If you turn over a positive card, you get money or points. And you choose whether or not you want to turn over another card. And if you turn over another positive card, you get more points. And it, uh, it incentivizes you to turn over more cards. If you turn over a negative card, you lose more points than you potentially have gained the round ends and you choose to go on to the next round where you can earn more points at board, but also lose more points. Similar to game shows and slot machines. It's basically <laughs> deal or no deal actually is what it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's essentially deal or no deal. If you know, if you know that the cold test is you get the same 32 card format, but you choose ahead of time how many cards you want to open and you don't get the immediate feedback. So you say, well, 32 cards, I want to open 18. And you don't get the immediate feedback. You just kind of open them then after that. So in the hot tests, the adolescents were more impulsive, uh, more risk-taking. Well, that would make sense. That would make sense. Now, just to piggyback off of that, when we talk about these affectively-based decisions or decisions based upon our emotional states, they've actually had brain imaging studies where they show the reasoning areas of your brain shut down and all of the emotional centers of your brain light up. So you are making irrational choices. No. And with adolescents, like Steph was saying, the frontal lobe, which controls all of those things, decision-making, judgment, imp um, impulse control, all of that gets inhibited when yeah. we make emotionally based decisions and it's still forming in adolescence. So they don't have anything to help counterbalance that the way adults Kind of sure. <laughs> should. 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 should do. Should do. Should do. Um, so let's let's get into the personality because this is this is I think where the the money is, so to speak, to no no really no pun intended. Pun, pun intended, actually. <laughs> no no pun intended, really. Um so as we as you just mentioned, risk taking decreases with age. Um younger people, not just adolescents, but adults tend to take more risks with recreation and health and safety. Uh, now, that doesn't necessarily translate to what happened here because I think uh, most of the people on that sub were older. But it does, it, it may, again, we don't know these people personally and we don't really know their background. So we're not talking about the people on this sub specifically. These are just general frameworks of personality based on research, okay? So this has nothing to do with those people on the sub. We don't have no idea who they are no. uh, from a personality standpoint, okay? 
So personality traits that tend to be more risky. I mean, can we guess? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you want to guess? Uh, I have a, what I, I what I'm, so what I, what I want to ask you is from an organizational size perspective. So people that work in, in companies that small, that are small companies, do they take more risks? Where, where do you think that they take more risks as far as health and safety? Do they take more or less risks with their I would health? Say, I would say probably more, right? Because they, they have to aspire to do to overdo or to overachieve. Are we um, talking about just limits. general employees? Or are we talking about people so, who run so, these companies? So the, run, question the, is, the, owners, yeah. the question is, do people that work at smaller companies take work, okay. more or less health risks? That's the question. Uh, it could possibly be less because they may not get the same type of benefits as people get with larger companies. It's possible. So I think it can with, go either way. People yeah. in smaller companies take higher health risks. Hmm. The question is now, do people in smaller companies take higher or lower risks with their safety? Meaning, well, maybe not, that's, that's where Susan's right. Maybe mm-hmm. because they don't have a good benefit, they probably are more cautious with, with safety, right? With their safety, that's correct. Right. Same with recreation. They take to they take more caution with their recreation. Right. They won't go bungee jumping or whatever you call it or, or skydiving because hey, they might not be in short. There's a risk. So, yeah. That's right. People with uh, startups tend to take more risks with their health too. The theory behind this is that the pressure of being in a startup tends to be alleviated with the uh, the anxiety and the pressure of a startup tends to be alleviated with things like smoking because it's mm. a calm effect of some kind. That's that's their or drinking. That's their hypothesis or things like that. Yeah, drinking. Right. Things right. like that. Self medicated. Mm-hmm. Now the thing the thing that was the most interesting in the, in this research was the domains of specific personality inventory stuff. And there's a there's a research tool called the Neo personality inventory revised and it has multiple domains this is the one that's basically centered around the five factor model of personality where you have um, five factors of openness conscientiousness Uh extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism which is an older term um, but it's still used in this domain right have you ever used this before suzanne Never. No, so the, neuroticism. The right? practice that I, in my practice, we don't do these types of assessments because I'm seeing people in the context of criminal evaluations, and so we use other assessments. Okay. Oh, are these personality tests or or style? Are they the same thing as what we call sometimes in organizational psychology, um, the archetypes? You know, the archetypes model. You know, based on Carl Jung. Um, you know, theories where they give it's, you the kind of style of person that you would be in, in what setting and what you'd be good for. Well, with the Jungian theory, that's based upon like the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which is another assessment right. that gets used. And like the assessment that Dimitri's talking about as well, 
a lot of this is used in vocational type settings where people are trying to figure out what kind of job they would be good right. for or training, however it goes. Um, with Carl Jung, the archetypes, um, he does talk about introversion and extroversion, uh-huh. which is one of the factors that goes into this particular one that um, Dimitri is talking about, but it has other components to it as well. Sure. With regards to safety, okay, these are people that take more risks when it comes to their safety, all right? People that are more action-adventure-oriented. I could see that, yeah. People that are openness to values, psychiatrically or psychologically liberal uh, is the way it's described in the, in the, the test. It's uh, described as uh, psychologically liberalism or tolerance to ambiguity. So the more, more tolerant you are to ambiguity, the more likely you are to be risky with your safety. A fast-paced life, excitement-seeking, male sex, as we discussed. So that was it for safety. For recreation, again, action-adventure explorer, openness to values, psychiatric or psychologically liberalism, tolerance to ambiguity fast-paced life. These are all kind of similar, right? Excitement seeking, right. male mm-hmm. sex, and health. Openness to values, psychological liberalism, tolerance to ambiguity, fast-paced life, excitement seeking, male sex again, modesty, which is recreational risk. And this health risk, again, openness to values, psychological liberalism, tolerance to ambiguity, fast-paced life, excitement seeking, impulsivity, depression, what they call competence or self-efficacy in the test. Now, there's also the flip side of this. What if people are less likely to seek uh, safety risk? So these people are less likely to seek safety risk. People that are less competitive, people with high levels of anxiety, people that are more straightforward and have a higher morality, People that make more or less spontaneous decisions, people with altruism, higher altruism, self-discipline, people that are less likely to take recreational risks, people that are less competitive, less an- uh, more anxious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These all sound about right, right? More or uh, less gregarious. Well, it's an exact, kind of an exact opposite. Achievement striving. These are the domains. People that are less likely to take health risks. Straightforward in morality, again, these are the domains. People that scored uh, high in sympathy, dutifulness and obligation, these are less likely to take health. And order mm-hmm. and organization. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. Yes. Well, we, we don't know, again, to go back to the beginning, we, we don't know what kind of people were in that sub. Right. We no, don't and know. And we're not yeah. talking yeah. about them. We're not gonna, yeah, this right. is, this no. is general risk. In general, we know that people will take risks depending on the situations, but things like anxiety, um, empathy for others, sympathy, all of those things do come into play as to whether or not a person will engage in more risk taking behavior. And like Dimitri said, there's different kinds of risks, right? You have health risk and whatnot. But the other thing I want to draw attention to is, you know, we talked about the billionaires and we talked about quote unquote, the rich people risk, right? We're going down in a submarine. um, We're self-propelling down to the Titanic. And unfortunately it ended very tragically and five people lost their lives. But on the other end of that spectrum, we also have hundreds of refugees 
that were lost off the coast of Greece and people were missing and they're still missing. And people were heard screaming, hanging onto things for dear life. But those refugees, those hundreds of refugees also took a risk, right? They wanted a better life for themselves. And that also ended in tragedy as well. And so we see this dichotomy of, you know, the billionaires risk-taking versus the um, less economically fortunate less financially fortunate risk-taking. And the media has not given much attention to those refugees that have been lost off the coast of Greece. But unlike the billionaires and how we talked about their cognitive processing, the people off the coast of Greece were well aware of what was happening as they died. Yeah. And who continue to be missing. And and you're you're right on that spectrum. You could actually, Dimitri mentioned recreational risk and also safety risk, right? You can see in, in both... Uh, incidents, one of them was purely very recreational. There was no need for it. There was no, there was nothing needed to be done. Just like, I'm going to pay for that, right? And the other, in other spectrum with the refugees, there was a safety risk taking, right? But because they needed to, like you mentioned, looking for a better life, they they had to. Uh, it wasn't a choice. And and, 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 and you're right. And it's kind of, I, I won't say, I don't, I don't know the, the media. Um, logic behind covering the billionaires more than the refugee, I, I would never understand it. But if you want to put in a balance, the, it does sound like the scale, you know, tip towards more the refugees dying at sea, right? Hundreds of them dying at sea than five people paying for an adventure, if you will. Um, I, I don't get the, the the reasoning behind the media coverage. I, 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 don't, I, I don't, I don't think you could have explained to me why it warranted so much attention compared to to the, to the refugees. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad Buy all of the things I never had I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine Smiling next to Oprah and the Queen Alright, our guest today, Travis Jennings from the Bar Banter Podcast which is an excellent podcast. If you guys have not heard of this, you guys need to listen to this. They talk about all kinds of random stuff. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, I think the last time, the last podcast that they just put out this week, they uh, were talking about which fish dishes should be abolished. And the only correct answer to that is every single fish dish that's cooked (laughs) should be completely abolished. The only thing that should be allowed is sushi and Nova locks on bagels. I don't care what anyone has to say. They're all wrong. I delete all of them. <laughs> they should all be deleted, except those two things. That's my take on that. And I will die on that hill forever. Um, my my Jewish ancestors definitely agree about the locks and bagels, for sure. That one, of, one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> but we are not here to talk about fish. The Travis is also a software engineer. So we brought him here because we wanted to continue the discussion on this sub disaster. But before we get into that, I want you to tell us whether or not I actually introduced you appropriately, Travis. Go ahead and tell us who you are and whether or not I did that correctly. Yeah, you hit the nail pretty much on the head. I like to tell people that the Bar Banter podcast, it's an unscripted comedy podcast that tackles everything in life from the tiny little absurdities to like some of the latest pop culture trends. So we have a very 
broad spectrum of topics that we talk about. Things like what fish dish should we ban? Other things such as what would be the best kid slash horror film combo? Or I don't know, which cereal box character would be the best to rob a bank? Stuff that <laughs> st <laughs> stuff that people get very passionate about for no real reason. And it's a fun, safe environment that we can let off steam, hang out with the boys. There's no like, oh, my dog's going to breathe into Mike. Um, and it's just it's it's just dumb stuff you want to talk to your friends about. And you can keep the conversation going for hours on end. I love it. And you just we just record it. It's like guys having fun just record it. Yeah. Having fun yeah, talking about random cool. stuff. And or, or and or gals. My mom has been on a couple of times. She loves it. She's our biggest fan. So. Let me ask you, are you guys are you guys do you guys drink while you record or is it like yeah oh, oh yeah okay oh yeah okay. we we start okay. off every show with uh what are you drinking um that, and that's, the, that's exactly what i was gonna ask you yeah <laughs> i was literally gonna ask you what you're drinking right now. <laughs> there may or may not be coffee in here there or, or coffee with something else who knows right <laughs> I, I am drinking just a bottle of water yeah, I'm doing water for the next for the next five hours so I can, you know, drink fix again. all the cells I killed last night. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're or you're hydrating for tonight. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. OK, yeah, <laughs> on a Sunday. OK, so and on a, on a more somber note, uh, you do know the uh, the story of the the five people that were lost on the submersible going down to the Titanic. What I wanted to ask you as mm -hmm. as a software engineer is. If you were building this thing, or you are on the team building this thing, what would you put as far as the the equipment or the software on, or what kind of software could we have expected to have on something like this going down there? Other than well, a video game controller. So well, I'm going to get into the video game controller, but yeah. I just want to know like what, <laughs> what 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 are they looking at down there? Maybe something that you don't have to put people in it, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. It if Elon can send an unmanned rocket to the basically the moon or upper orbit, we could send unmanned vehicles down there. That's an, we'll get into that as innovation as well. Um, so from what I read, from what I gathered, the software and the hardware that was needed to run the submersible was there. All of the sensing equipment, it was the pressure sensors, the electrical circuits, the different output outputs the calibration and the data processing, all of that stuff was in the submersible. You have to remember that these guys, while they probably cut some corners, they did have a working submersible that made this trip, I think four or five times before something like that, where it had already happened. So I, I think from a software perspective and a data perspective, they were okay. It probably wasn't state of the art, but we also made it to the moon on less processing power than what's in your cell phone, right? So <laughs> it, true. it true. can it can be done. It is it is entirely plausible that they had the right stuff to make this a repeatable and economically friendly venture, right? It's it's possible. So I don't know if that answers your question. I can go into more about what probably went wrong from that end, but. I'm going to catch you at economically. Why, why these four billionaires would worry about going on cheap, you know, not well done or done enough so we can go there, not sort of the art kind of, you know, vessel. 
Well, so there's a there's an old saying, and, and you guys being <laughs> me- medical practitioners know this. There, it's the the triangle. You can have something fast, you can have something cheaper, you can have something good, but you can only have two of those things, right? So they wanted to go fast because they wanted they. If Elon can again, I'm going to use Elon a lot because it's a very easy reference. It doesn't mean yeah. I necessarily like the guy. Yeah, we all, uh, we use him but, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's easy. He's top of mind. He's everywhere. If Elon can be the first person to kind of start this, you know, upper atmosphere tourist venture, it only stands to reason that there's going to be an underwater version. So people can dive down to the depths and there will be a race to see which billionaires can make this venture happen. So if you want to go fast, that's fine. You can go fast, but the equipment and the engineering and all that other stuff has to be good or you have to build it super, super, super cheap. And that I believe is pretty much what they wanted to do is they wanted to get, you know, be the, the innovators, so to speak, and get down there first to capitalize and be first on the market. Yeah. Why would you choose cheap over good? Or did they choose cheap over good? They, they chose, they absolutely chose cheap over good. Um, and they chose, I think they tried to choose all three and that's what you can't have, right? That you can't have cheap, good, and fast. You have to have, one of those has to be either slow, expensive, or bad, right? You can't, so you can't have all three. Um, Yeah. Sure. When you hear about the description of what it was, it sounds like it was put together from pieces from wish.com basically. I mean, (laughs) that's really what it sounded like. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like a a soda can. (laughs) Right. Right. And and I don't know how much you guys dove into the the actual engineering of the submersible yet, but the that pill shape is the correct shape, right? And the soda can shape, because the the at depths at that level, you are wanting to make sure you have equal pressure around every single part of the ship, or else you have weak spots. And the object or this the shape that would have equal pressure is a sphere. You can't really have a sphere that doesn't really work well. So what's the next best thing is a cylinder, which kind of looks like a tin can. So I think the design itself was fine. And that's what a lot of other submersibles look like. But I think to your point that they used secondhand parts to be cheap. They use secondhand parts that may be on their life cycle. I think they got some stuff from Boeing from their, not their scrap pile, but it was, it was no longer rated for flight. So they're like, oh yeah, we'll, oh, we'll buy God. that off of you. And they chose cheap, they chose fast and they chose, tried to choose good, but because it wasn't good, it was a catastrophic failure. So it was bad. And that's where it flipped. Um, yeah. I think they got something. Yeah. <laughs> so there's been, there's been a lot made about the, the PlayStation controller. Right. Um, that now, I, I quick quickly, but the PlayStation controller was controlling it from the surface. It was controlling it from inside. It was controlling it from inside. And how does how exactly does that work? Yeah, it's it's actually relatively simple. I don't know if she's done barking. Are you done barking? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a sound effect. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, a a PS5, a, a Logitech controller is basically just metal parts hitting a sensor and electrical data going back to some sort of motor or software that interprets that electrical signal. 
So very simple controllers can be used to, I don't know, turn on the left motor, turn on the right motor to kind of guide that submarine. And you don't need something that is, you know, the controller itself doesn't need to be super great, right? I, I still play my old N64 and I can still get by trying to drift on Mario Kart, even though it's leaning to the left. But my, my point is that <laughs> <laughs> the, but... the, the, the controller itself is fine. It's the software that's it's interpreting the data right. that needs to be pristine. So if you have decent software that can interpret the inputs of the controller, you're actually okay. Even if the controller is off the shelf, like it's okay. Yeah. But okay. But there's a certain precise nature of yes turning something that that uh, it's not large but turning something that detailed mm -hmm. in an environment where there's literally no light right. and the only light you have is the light that you brought with you mm -hmm. and and you're not looking out a window right you're looking at it on a screen mm -hmm. and the screen i don't know is in is in uh infrared or how would the screen look it's not going to look in color, right? I honestly couldn't find. So when I started to dive into this, the Ocean Gate website is not accessible. I don't know if you guys have tried to go to it recently. No. Can't get no. to it. They I basically did. Took, it's not accessible. You at all. can't get to it. It's gone. So I don't know. I haven't been able to see exactly what the screen looks like. From what I understand, a lot of it is out of that porthole. So they're just kind of like using. They're looking straight out. Yeah. That's, okay, so that's I, even worse, right? Because right. you're looking at darkness with with just a floodlight, essentially. Mm -hmm. right. I, I don't know if it's a floodlight, but it's basically just light emanating from the ship. Mm -hmm. right. You know, at least in space, there's light because there's a sun and there's stars. In here, there's nothing. It's just nothing. the light that you brought with you, right? So you're looking at a porthole at nothing except a, a light that's in front of you. The control that you need to have, I would imagine, cannot be done with this little joystick. Wouldn't you need something that you could hold, like, you know, with your palm, like, around? It depends like, on what you're trying would to Would you accomplish. like more of an Atari joystick? Is that <laughs> yeah. what you're looking that's, for? That's what I was, I was trying to do. I was trying to keep from saying something dirty. <laughs> but yes, an Atari like joystick. Like an Atari would, joystick? Uh, yeah, yes. an Atari I mean, joystick would be. If you are if if you were James Cameron, right, and you're trying to go down there and you might want some sort of arm, right, to reach out and slowly grab something and turn it over and bring it back without damaging a lot. You want to get super close and maybe go inside the Titanic where there's lots of crevices. Yeah, you need the most sensitive thing you can get or else there's a failure. If you are just, I say just cuz getting down to that depth is difficult in general. But if you're just navigating the ocean underwater, it's a gigantic piece of real estate. Like you're not going to be having to bob and weave in, in and out right. of things. You're just triggering this thing to go slowly forward and then coast and then maybe kind of take a right turn. Oh, hey, there's the Titanic. Everyone wave. Okay, let's yeah. go back up. Mm -hmm. So I, I think for the purposes of what they were trying to accomplish, the Logitech joystick or the Logitech controller is fine. Like I, yeah. now, the the larger problem is it is it maybe indicative of the fact that they were going cheap and that the rest of the sub might be cheap yeah that like if if the logitech controller was the only thing on there i think the ship would have been fine 
right? If the rest of the engineering, if they didn't use other parts from old aircraft, would have been fine. Logitech would be fine. But because it's, uh, I, I would question it trying to get into that sub. I would question the rest of the, the sub. So do you think, do you think what happened might have been a, a chain of events, meaning the implosion did something that might have happened before that? Let's say crack. Let's say they hit something and then change the, the, the form of the shape of the ship. Or is it just purely being too deep and the, the pressure became, was, you know, too much to overcome? Because it, it had a design before. flaw. In other words, right. Was it, I mean, it's had, been down before, though. Before, so mm -hmm. my question is, something probably must have happened, right, to to make it imperfect, right, or change the state of the heart or, or the shape of the of the mm -hmm. ship or something like that. I don't think it just happened from from just happening the implosion. Well, so we we'll, obviously we'll never actually know. So I'm only speculating, um, right. based on what I know from like carbon fiber, right? It's been proven i read a paper the other day that says carbon fiber can withstand that amount of pressure and could be emphasis on the could a viable material to use on a submersible down uh, 3500 feet is that meters. what it was something like that meters meters yeah yeah um so the guy i forgot his name the owner was like yes we can use carbon fiber it's it's been rated it's fine but he got secondhand stuff it's been stressed already it's already been under this pressure. So, and then they went down five times. They're probably not doing the, actually, we know they're not, they weren't doing the diligent testing. We know they weren't doing all of the, uh, I don't want to say red tape, but they weren't going through all of the different procedures needed to actually make sure that the sub was safe. He admitted that. So yeah, probably by the fifth or sixth time, the material itself was so weak that as soon as it got down to a depth, I don't see there was like a, yeah, there probably wasn't like an accident, right? I don't think something just broke right. through. I think it was just, I, it's the materials old and worn and tired and just yeah. collapsed in on itself. <laughs> that, 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 was a, that was a, that was an implosion that, that, that trip is like, is that the, I would sounds like. Yeah, like a slurping. It's it's basically just all, all of everything. The new implosion noise. There's a new, yeah. there's a new conspiracy theory that says that the U.S. government actually heard the sound. Uh, and, uh, and kept I, it a secret. No, because that's the new conspiracy theory going I, around. That is highly, highly unlikely. Because did they hear a sound? Entirely possible. There are so many sounds in the ocean. Exactly. That's <laughs> right. why it's a conspiracy theory. Right. 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 They're not no talking way. about those sounds they were hearing every thirty minutes either anymore. Right. That that fact has just kind of gone away. But right. All right. Yeah. So I want to play these the, these couple of clips. Um, these clips are from a YouTube channel called Fleet Files, which is a uh, channel that does maritime videos. And this video was actually uploaded two months ago. So it actually has nothing to do with uh, this issue. It's just it's a video that they uploaded. Um, the channel describes themselves as a channel that explores the intricacies of the world at sea and the daily lives of sailors to the latest advancements in technology. So they are a maritime uh, channel. So if you want to check them out, it's called Fleet Files at Fleet Files on YouTube. So these are a couple of clips from this video. This is a clip of what happens to a hull when it reaches, a submarine hull when it reaches crush depth. 
crush depth is the depth that a hull that a ship reaches when it when the outer pressure of the water is more than the pressure that the actual structure can take so this is what happens the submarine disintegrates into scrap metal when submerged to crush depth pipes and fittings would fail as the submarine got closer to its crush depth and then the hull would groan and creak before imploding and killing everyone on board in a matter of seconds instead of slowly seeping in the water rushes in either trapping the air within in a bubble at one end of the boat or generating so much heat that the boat implodes and kills everyone inside. Body parts and fuel oil are among the debris that rises to the top. Very chilling. You got that right. Yeah. And then I wanted to play a second clip, which is even worse than the first one, of what actually happens to people inside of this submarine when this happens. And then I want to ask you, the reason I'm playing this not because I want to be morbid and, and gross. I actually have a real question about this, mm-hmm. but I wanted to play it for context so that the question makes sense. So this is what happens to the crew. If a pressure hull implodes at a depth of 2,000 feet when the air pressure is around 60 atmospheres, the internal pressure will rapidly climb from 14.7 to nearly 875 PSI. It would feel like being inside the cylinder of a diesel engine just as the compression stroke begins in the areas of the submarine where large volumes of air are trapped. Everything combustible would go up in flames until a massive wall of water crashed down and put an end to the blaze. Anybody unlucky enough to be still alive would be severely hurt by the water's impact and wouldn't have time to suffer the effects of oxygen poisoning or anything else. Human tissues are mostly fluid-filled, making them difficult to compress. An individual's lungs and sinuses would be crushed instantly, and the tremendous shock would knock them out. Even more dangerous would be the sudden onslaught of water from the ocean, the vessel's bulkheads and decks, as well as the weight and speed with which various pieces of machinery and engines would hurl towards the crew. Yikes. Yeah. So we we talked about earlier the the cognitive cycle, which is uh, takes 80 80 to 100 milliseconds for the brain to percept perceptually Perceive recognize mm-hmm. uh, a stimulus unconsciously. Then consciously, it takes 200 to 280 milliseconds for it to consciously recognize a stimulus. And then sixty, another 60 to 100 milliseconds to react. So the total cycle is about 260 to 390 milliseconds. The implosion takes about one millisecond. So the, once, once the whole thing starts, it's, it's basically, it's over. And that's what it sounds like. So, so you're saying that that clip, like the, the the guy doing the the you know the voiceover, are they just wanting to be morbid, just be morbid because that would have never happened to anybody. They they would not know. No. Well, they recorded no. this months before this event actually even occurred, so their recording is totally unrelated. It to has what? nothing to do with yeah. this this incident. No, no. What they're talking about is a submarine that reaches a crushed up, and the reason they they did it this way is there's the I, when I didn't play this clip, but later on in the video, there's a story about a U.S. Navy ship that lost power because of a failure inside their vessel and it began to descend. U- U.S. Or submarines have engines that force them up, that keep them at depth. If you lose engines, the, it sinks. It's, it's made out right. of titanium, right? It sinks like anything else. And if they lost their engines and the thing just kept sinking, those things are not built to go down to depths of the Titanic. They're built for, you know, 2000 feet of depth. 
once you get down to a certain depth, those things fail. And what happened to the ship was it got, you know, it lost its engine and started to descend. And it got to a depth where the, the submarine didn't get there. But it went slowly, right? So they, these people had time. Okay. They heard it, right? So my question to you, Travis, is, you know, once this thing starts, it's over. But from a software perspective, would, would there have been a piece of software on there or a sensor that could have warned them? It's, it's hard to... So to answer your question, yes, there's absolutely pressure sensors on there, right? And that's how they can tell at least how far down they are, what the pressure is at the current depth. Uh, I, What you're asking for is, is there a warning for a, you know, a, an inevitable collapse, right? Correct. And the amount of sensors you would need to have on something like that to be able to monitor every square inch or every square millimeter of for any sort of uh, imperfection that might compromise the hull or might, you know, just be able to, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say. And that's why these things have got to be engineered so precisely. So you don't have to have those sensors, right? If you have, if you have, if you've done the engineering correctly, if you take the time and you spend the money, unfortunately, to get it right, I don't say the first time, but like the hundredth time, you don't have to worry necessarily about that. Like having, I liken it to uh, either Star Wars or Star Trek, right? Where you've got all of these crazy sensors letting you know exactly what's going on in every single part of the ship at every single inch. And that kind of technology, it's probably out there, is it? but it's not necessarily feasible. And I wouldn't want, I'd rather go the engineering route and make sure that, it's passed all of the safety and all of the red tape and it's gone through all of its paces to know that this thing is good. And then after five trips, you got to scrap it because we know at six trip or at the eighth trip, it's going to collapse. Right. And that way you do it at six and you never actually even reach the eighth trip. So could there be software? Possibly. It probably isn't feasible and it probably isn't the right solution for uh, what you're asking about, if that makes sense. Well, I guess what I was asking is, you know, if they got to a certain level and this thing just started going off saying, you know, you can't Prob go any further. Probably, I guess it's a Star they, Trek kind of technology. It, you know? If they, if it was, it would just be about the amount of pressure that's on the outside of the hole, which they have those sensors. But well, you have to remember, uh, or uh, what we assume happened is they never even reached the depth that they were trying to attain. So there's no alarm that would have gone off. The alarm would have gone off if they were going down to the Marianas Trench, right? And they went below the Titanic depth where they didn't think they could get to. So there's no alarm that would have gone off. Well, because no, what they I, never I think there was something that went off though, because there was some evidence that showed that they tried to ascend at some point based upon the debris field that was found. Okay. Um, but what, okay. what those yeah. sensors were, we don't yeah. know. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is there had to have been something, or, or I guess there didn't have to be something. It could have just been structurally unsound and then just collapsed. Right. And th but that could have just I, been like a, a bolt was loose this particular or, time. Or they forgot to do a bolt, which is what I heard. Or they forgot to do a bolt. <laughs> yeah. And maybe there's a sensor in there that says, hey, this bolt is loose. You can't do this. I mean, that that's possible, right? That that there are parts of it that say there's something wrong. But if I'm talking specifically about, because because you don't necessarily know if, if, uh, 
if 17 out of 18 bolts, which I think is what they were saying was they were doing anyway, if that would make a difference or not. You haven't tested it. So there's no sensor to put on there because they right. didn't go through the rigorous testing because that's. Yeah, I mean, right. they're not regulated, so right. they don't so they have to go say, through yeah. all of the hoops have, like the space program is doing, like Elon okay. Musk, like Boeing, et cetera. I assume they heard the creaking, right? The video even talked about hearing the creaking. Something was like clearly maybe there's a crack in the glass you know on the outside and you well you see it in the movies it kind of spider web right, right like oh man this and then it, it, it's like they're right. like go like, up go up and then it's instantly instant. gone yeah yeah like, like the, the soil coming so it wasn't something that happened without just okay. having a casual conversation right, right? yeah <laughs> right they probably saw it within seconds though i would i would the assume. warning would have been too late at that point anyway right because so they yeah, okay. how far they were under in the amount of pressure yeah, yeah. all right so we're not going to end this way because this is just chilling <laughs> to end this yeah. way. So we're going to end on a much happier note. Uh, we're going to play a game with you that we like to play with our guests called Psyched Up or Psyched Out. Let's do or, it. Uh, uh, it's sort of like the game that you guys play on your podcast, which is uh, Would You Rather? Where yeah. You guys, <laughs> you guys give each other, uh, I guess you guys use chat GPT to, to do this. You guys give each other uh <laughs> <laughs> would you rather and be this or would you rather be that? Which shout out to Chat GPT because I was starting to run out of would you rather questions. Like we had done it uh, 20 episodes or so without it. And I'm like, I can only use the same thing so many times. And I was like, let's just ask Chat GPT. And lo and behold, it gave me like 30 fresh new ones. So like, this is that's exactly nice. yeah, well, like awesome. for all well, the flack it gets. Yeah. It, it was I mean, super helpful. We might have to do that for the mental health tip of the day. I think we're going to have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We relied on Alexa the other time. Yeah. And she was helpful, though. She was good. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to do that. So, psyched up or psyched out? I think you know the way this works. So, uh, here we go. Your friend Elon, but this is a a shout out to him. Would you uh, be willing to spend $44 billion on an app to make yourself more? feel more popular psyched up or psyched out psyched out really yeah no got, i'm uh, got something else to do with 44 not, billion dollars uh yeah and i'm pretty <laughs> i don't want to say i'm pretty popular already but <laughs> i'm kind of a big deal no uh i'm right. i i like my my close circle of friends so we're good okay all right people that leave their trash at their seat at the end of sporting events instead of throwing it out uh I don't like that. So I'm going to go, I guess, psyched out. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's not, not, uh, not okay. That's not okay. It's terrible. Ban- banned from the stadium. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a bit of, that's a I agree with that. <laughs> be, be a good person. Like, it's not hard. That's right. Yeah. Don't make the, don't make the, the people that, that clean up the stadium's job harder. Spending billions of dollars on a rocket that looks like a uh, penis. I'm all for the psyched up. Let's go. <laughs> especially, okay. especially because from the interview where I, again, I don't, I'm not an astrophysicist, so I don't know if this is true or not. In, I know, I do know in space, you don't need the normal rocket ship shape because there's no air pressure around it. There's no air in general. So you don't need that shape. So if you're doing it just to, just to be kind of funny and you have the money to make it look like a penis, I say go for it. <laughs> what Boeing looks space, like. <laughs> in space, they can't hear you jerk off. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
You well, might be right. Yeah. That's, a, that's a hypothesis for sure. <laughs> I think our I think our clean program has jumped the shark. It's totally <laughs> jumped the shark. <laughs> you have led that path. <laughs> um, three twelve day, three twelve hour days in Disney parks in August with three children. Out, psych out, out. No, <laughs> unsubscribe. Please. That what if you're drinking worst... around the world in Epcot, though? No, no, because I <laughs> no. I don't know about you guys. I get even hotter when I drink. I get I feel like no, that is my nightmare. <laughs> I have two kids. I I'm not taking them to Disney until they can kind of like do it themselves. for themselves a little bit. Like no, <laughs> absolutely not. Smart, smart, smart. Okay. In December or January. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, people that start sentences with like or so, I would like to be in the middle because there's something. It's no, not the way this game works. I know. You're I'm gonna psyched go neutral, or you're psyched out. <laughs> I'll go psyched up because while it can be annoying, there is something to be said about needing to prime your brain in order to form your sentence, unless you're actively. Working out. If you're giving a presentation, psyched out. Normal conversation, psyched up. It's fine. I get it. I like. It. I have to. I have to edit out so many likes and ums on our podcast. I. It's fine. So this will be. <laughs> <laughs> this, this will be the last one of this group, and then we'll uh, we'll rapid fire the last one. Day drinking while lounging in a bay of water. Psyched up. Psyched up. Assuming I don't have kids, I'm psyched. Yeah, give me. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm there for it. Yeah, we have very different tastes, apparently. On this one. <laughs> I I will say, what I Steph and I are be, there with you. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. Will I do that? Yes. Will I enjoy it? Yes. Would I rather be not in a hot environment and day drinking? Yes, I would rather be in an air conditioned environment and day drink. So. But yeah, if if we're going okay. to a lake, I'm I'm there for it. If you know, you're on the I'll, water, I'll, there's a breeze. In the water, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm in. Okay. All right, and the final group of psyched up or psyched out. This is the risk taking group. Rapid fire: psyched up or psyched out. Going down in a sub or a submarine. I'm psyched up about that. Wait, Seriously? after what happened last week? After, like, after really? we just after what yeah. we just talked about? We just spent twenty yeah. minutes on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm. Would you go down to the Titanic in a submarine that was self-propelled down, where you had uh, a sink? Uh, I mean, yeah, because every other time that people have gone down there, it's been fine, right? I'm not going to okay. let one tiny little catastrophic accident hearts go out to the actual people. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, I would vet it first. I would make sure like I'm not going to go down, but like. I'd pull a James Cameron, right? He did it four or five times and he's fine. I'm psyched up. Let's go. I want to go right. see it. Space. Psyched up. Let's go. I'm I'm down for the adventure. All right. Safari in Africa. Psy psyched up. As long as i am got enough bug spray because <laughs> I will get malaria. I got sweet blood. They will eat me alive. <laughs> okay. Antarctica. Uh, probably psyched out for that one. What's the difference? It's uh, there's nothing there. Like it's just I I've seen ice, right? I I don't know what's <laughs> I uh, I've done that. 
I haven't seen wild animals that much. I haven't seen what's below the sea. I haven't seen what the earth looks like from space. I've seen ice. I it's fine. can't see anything below the sea. It's pitched black down well I, there, I, there would be a light they've seen the titanic oh God. okay well, like that, that, it's a thing well, <laughs> around the world in a crack ship in the 16th century out no psych out no all right i'll get scurvy real and, quick and the, <laughs> i don't like going the, the last one climbing mount everest psych out no uh only because of if i'm psych up if it was if I was able to get my equipment back, because while I'm not like a uh, a super diehard conservative uh, conservationist, the amount of stuff that's up on top of Mount Everest right now, because it takes too much effort to get it back, because of that reason, I'd be out. But if it was easy to get the stuff back down, this, this isn't I a would... this isn't an if thing. This is a psyched out <laughs> or psyched out. That's why well, then I'm out. I'm out. You need a qualifier. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're a warm weather kind of guy. Because you said no to the two cold weather ones. I'm, I like the cold. I don't like freezing temperature ones. Okay. All right. I don't. I don't want to go to Antarctica when it's negative a bajillion degrees. You below don't want to go hang out with the penguins and the ice and everything, though. No. You, you can see there penguins. Are, you can see penguins other places. Yeah, there's tropical penguins. Go to That's Sea World. Thing. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. All right, Travis. Thank you very much for joining us. Everybody, check out. The Bar Banter Podcast. Uh, give us your socials real quick before we, we, uh, we get you out are, of here. I got to look them up real quick because I don't know them off the top of my head. We are. I have them written down somewhere. Thank you for being prepared for this, by the way. Oh, I appreciate my that. God. You are so rude. He's about as prepared uh, as we are, though, <laughs> we, do, we do appreciate that. I had everything else up. I had my elevator speech up. I had all of the other things up. I don't have. We're probably the underscore bar banter at everything else. Probably probably the underscore bar banter is usually, if you type that in, you'll find us. Either Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And anywhere you get your podcasts. Awesome. Check out awesome. the bar banter podcast on all the places you get your podcasts. Thank you, Travis. And uh, Thank you. Thank, thank you guys you. for having me. Uh, I'll see you guys around. I'll yeah, around. that was fun. Tip of the daytime. Day full of hiccups? Need a shake up? Listen up. It's Dr. Big and Dr. DeGrasse Mental Health Tip of the Day. As usual, our mental health tip of the day is brought to you by nobody. Yep. Right? Nobody. Sadly, nobody. Sadly, nobody. Anybody wants to love us. We'll One day it'll something. come. Maybe, maybe that should be the mental health tip of the day. <laughs> that, be that patient make, make like elsa and let it go <laughs> but, but no no we will keep mentioning it but the mental health tip of the day actually today is you guys want to take it or you want me to do it no go for it go for it okay this may not be feasible for some people and we will acknowledge that fully but the mental health tip of the day today is to disconnect and we mean that from a technical standpoint we are way too connected to cell phones and i i 
am fully aware that we're saying this on a podcast, which is a technology uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> that you're probably listening to on your phone through speakers of some kind, either through your headphones or through your car or something like that. But maybe, you know, after you listen to this podcast, you turn your phone off. Um, Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm going to say that differently. After you listen to the podcast, you like it, you share it, you give us a feedback, then you can turn off your phone. Then you can put on Do Not Disturb, yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> maybe you disconnect from your phone for a little bit and you put it away for six, eight hours, maybe even an entire day and just kind of relax from it and find something else to do. Go watch a movie, have a cup of coffee. Just don't do technology for a little bit because technology, um, as we've mentioned before, I believe, is increased yeah. attachment to anxiety mm-hmm. and has uh, caused us to increase our, our levels of anxiety with all the notifications and need to check our social medias and our emails and work more than we generally do have worked in the past because we tend to bring work home with us it's harder to relax and put your mind yeah. mm-hmm. and and mindfulness is one of the things that uh, we try to stress in our practices but if we are constantly looking at our phone every five seconds then that's hard to do so if we just yeah. kind of turn the thing off and not just put it on vibrate, you know, because that may even be worse, but actually turn yeah. it off, uh, make it a brick and then go, you know, put it away so that we can't turn it back on. You'll find that you'll feel a little bit better. Yeah, I'll even add it's, it's, it's totally OK to be unreachable. It's mm-hmm. OK to be off the grid for a few hours, meaning not, not getting texts and phone calls and people can wait on you. People don't have to get their answer from you right away, right? So it's okay not to be reachable for a few hours. If you're not working on the weekends, the work emails can wait. Exactly. Go watch a movie. There's, it's the summertime. There's a Tons bunch of great of movies. movies out. I just watched The Flash yesterday. It was a good movie. Oh, it was, it was good? such a great yeah. movie. Yes, I, like I saw it. that the other day. So you know, so go watch a movie. Just turn the phone off for a little bit. Anyway. Thank you to Travis Jennings for joining us today. Um, we didn't really even get to everything we wanted to talk about, but um, we will we'll get to it, it at some point. We'll yeah. save it for next week. Thanks, everyone. Remember Thank you to guys. like, share, uh, subscribe. Uh, and again, more importantly, write a written review. Like us or hate us. Tell us what you think. Tell us what we can improve. Tell us what we like about us mm-hmm. in a written review. All right. We greatly appreciate that. See you guys next time. See ya. All right. Take care. Bye. The previous podcast represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graaf, and the guests. It should not have been taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.